0: Well, I want to talk to you about something that I'm going to actually do a series on this after the first of the year. I think it's really important. Um, I'm going to talk to you about spiritual warfare today. I believe um, I really felt strongly of the Lord to speak on this today, even though I'm not going to do a whole series. We will do the series in after the first, sometime after the first of the year, because I believe we're in a spiritual war. How many would agree? I believe um, and I believe the the church, you and I, need to rise up and understand this and wage war spiritually. Um, you are more powerful than you know because you don't really know exactly what you have. You know inside of you the Holy Spirit, what Jesus has done. And uh, we are in a spiritual war. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. You can follow along with me on your notes if you're um, uh, on our app um, and uh, encourage you to do that. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 says this, For we though we live in the world we do not wage war as the world does the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the of the world and another version it says in NIV it says for though we walk in the flesh we do not wage war or wage battle according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not fleshly but divinely powerful for the dis- destruction of fortresses there is a war that is going on that you do not see. It's a war in the spirit realm. In fact, the spirit realm is more real than this physical realm. This physical realm is going to be done away with one day. And the real you is not the real what you see in the mirror, right? Yo, know, this, all of this, how beautiful you are, is going to be gone, done away with one day, man. We're going to get a new body. How many of you guys would say Amen? amen. And it's going to be perfect, and uh, we're going to be able to walk around with our six pack, you know, in the name of Jesus, right? And uh, but uh, but the spiritual realm is is, is very real. Turn to over to Ephesians chapter six. Let me show you something. In verse ten, he says, "Finally, Paul says here, be strong in the Lord, and in the strength of His might, put on." the full armor of God, so that you will be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And this is the reason, verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly realms, in heavenly places. You see, we war not against flesh and blood. The problem, I believe, with the church today is that we're more comfortable warring in flesh and blood. We like to war in that way because we feel like we're actually accomplishing something. But a lot of times, if we war like the world wars, um, it it doesn't accomplish anything that's life-giving. We have a different way to wage battle. And I think a lot of times we don't really do that and really understand that. Because you've got to understand, what you see is not all there is. What you see right now is not all there is. There's something greater. You are not alone in your battles. You've got to understand this. And I love this out of 2 Kings. Turn to 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 11. Uh, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 11. I love what's going on here. And uh, here, the king of um, Aram, and he's mad because of Israel. And he summons his officers to, to be around him because he thinks someone's talking to the, the, his enemy, Israel. And he says, he summoned the officers and demanded them, tell me which, which of us is on the side, side of the king of Israel. And they voiced and said, none of us, my lord the king. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. So God is showing Elisha everything that the king is speaking in private, and he's telling the king of Israel. And verse 13 says, go find out where he is, the king ordered. Because the king of mean, a- 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 he's going to go after Elisha. He says, so I can send men and capture him. The report came back, he's in Dothan. And then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there, they went by night, and they surrounded the city. And so here is Elisha coming up against an army, basically, who's trying to grab, grab him because they're ty- the king is tired of him telling the king of Israel what's, what's the next plan. In verse 15, And when the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, he saw the army and the horses and chariots that surrounded the city. And he says, oh my, oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? I mean, he's scared. He, He sees this is what's happening. They're coming against him. What should we do? And Elisha said, don't be afraid. And the prophet answered, those who are with us are more than those who are with him. Those who are with us are more than those who are with him. He's seeing something a little different than the servant was, wasn't he? And then Elisha prayed. Look what happens. Lord, open the eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You see, you got to understand, you are not alone in your battles. We fight a war, but we don't fight against flesh and blood. And we're not actually the ones having to do the actual fight. The hosts of heaven are at our disposal. And if you would look around in this room spiritually, I, I'm pretty sure you're going to see the enemy trying to come in. But I, I'm, I'm, I know for a fact that there are, there are angels that are protecting this place. Amen. There are hosts of heaven that is protecting this place. And uh, if you could see spiritually, and we could see spiritually, you wouldn't be as afraid as you are about the future. Because you know greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen? You are not alone in your battles. And and there's a spiritual war that is going on out there. And God has um, enlisted you and I to to learn how to fight this war. See, because your prayers are more powerful, far more powerful than you know. I remember Daniel in Daniel chapter 10. You can turn there if you want. Daniel chapter 10 verse 12. It says, don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day we, you began to pray for understanding and to humble yourself before God. Your request has been heard in heaven. This is an angel of the Lord telling Daniel this. He says, your, your prayer, your request has been heard in heaven. I have come to answer your prayer. But for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. That kind of tells us, gives us some insight of what the enemy is doing, that he has maybe princess, you know, high authority. This is what, what we talked about, what Paul talked about in Ephesians, these principalities that are over areas, these, these demonic forces. And he says here, this angel says, he says, I've come to answer your prayer, but for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me and I left him there with the spirit prince of the king, kingdom of Persia. Now, I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future for this vision concerns a time yet to come. Now, I'm going to go in more detail about the spiritual forces that are out there um, next year in our, in our series. I don't have time right now, but I just want you to know something, that your prayers move heaven and earth when you pray by faith. And you've got to understand that, and you've got to believe that that when you pray for something according to the will of God, heaven is is active. You activate the spiritual forces; angels go forth to to make the way. But there is a battle that was going on when Daniel prayed. There was a battle trying to hold this angel back. It took the archangel Michael, which is a higher authority, and I and I go into that actually in our in our uh, series on angels a number of months ago. That came and had to come and, and release his angel to go and go forward. See, your prayers are very powerful. And a lot of times when we pray, we just think that they just hit the wall. But no, they don't. It touches heaven. As a believer, your prayers, it doesn't take someone... Like like a pastor or evangelist, it takes a, a son of God, a daughter of God like you, to be able to pray the prayer of faith and believe, and uh, it activates heaven. And you've got to understand that's what's happening. But there's a warfare against what you're praying because the devil doesn't want your prayers to be answered, especially if they're the will of God. Your prayers are more powerful than you know and we need, to, we need to engage in this warfare. And you need to understand this is not just something that you, pr- you should just pray when you get in trouble. You and I should be battling every day for our family, for our kids, for our relationships, for our church, for, for, for our nation. How I many guys know there's a spiritual battle coming against this nation? And we need to we need to get on our knees. And we need to pray. We're gonna be calling 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're gonna be praying for our nation here in January. We're gonna be praying that the gospel goes forth. Did you know the United States is, is the number one sending missionary country in the world? And there are forces that are trying to stop the gospel from going forth. Not just on on a Sunday morning. There, that's definitely happening but it's trying to get it off the airways there, there are people right now that want to come against churches Christians and we need to fight amen we need to go to war amen because god god has some he's not done with this nation listen if the christian voices are silent god will be done with this nation but he'll raise up another one. And listen, I don't know about last week. I talked about, you know, I don't want God to raise up anybody in my place. And I'm going to go to war. I'm going to fight spiritually because that's where the battle's going to be won. But I believe a lot of us, we, we fought physically more. And it doesn't mean there aren't things you're supposed to do physically. Don't get me wrong. You're supposed to vote you're supposed to you're supposed to go out and witness you're supposed to go out and uh, live a life, a godly life. you're supposed to get out of debt church get out of debt. Amen. I'm telling you, get out of debt. God has something for you and he wants to use you in a mighty way and he wants to bless you but we got to handle our finances correctly. Amen? 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 I mean, we do because there's something coming that he wants to bless you because he wants to bless the body of Christ. He wants to bless the church. And he wants to see the gospel go out. He wants you to bless missionaries. And we've got, we've got to understand that that, that battle is happening because here's why. Here's what the devil does. And this is why we need to be at war spiritually. We need to be praying. We need to be interceding. He blinds the minds of unbelievers. That's what the devil does. 2 Corinthians four four says, The God of this age blinded the minds of unbelievers. He blinds the mind of unbelievers. That's why when you talk spiritual things to this world, they don't understand it. They don't understand why people would pray the way they pray. They don't understand the spiritual things that are happening. They don't understand That's why we need to be there to help them and walk them along and show them and love them and and speak the word boldly. But we need to go to bat for our unbelieving community and go to war. That God would, like the servant of Elisha, would open their eyes to the things of God, right? Open their eyes that they need a savior, That they would stop believing the lies of this world that they are are in. And they're the God of their life. Because he blinds the minds of unbelievers. And we need to come against that in our community. That there would be revival. That people would come and know him and see him. Amen? The second thing that that the devil does, he steals God's word from you and, and me. Matthew 13, 19 says, When everyone hears the message about the kingdom... You know, we are kingdom people. We need to learn to walk in the kingdom of God. He says, when anybody hears the message about the kingdom, that's the gospel, and does not understand it, the evil one, the devil, comes and snatches it away, what was sown in the heart. We need to guard our heart. You don't need to go out of here today and think that uh, you heard it all. You need to go home and you need to grab it You need to honor the Word of God. You're not honoring me. You're honoring the Word of God. And you need to take those digging deeper questions that we give every week. And you need to study. And you need to ask the Holy Spirit for more revelation and understanding. And you need to devour the Word of God. And you need to chew on the Word of God throughout this week. And don't give place to the enemy to steal it. And we need, to come, we need to pray that what is preached, not whether it's on here, whether it's in our small groups, whether it's you talking to somebody else or talking to your family um, this week at the Thanksgiving table of how good God is and giving Him thanks, you need to pray that the Word of God will not be stolen by the enemy. Amen? We need to go to war for each other. Man, you need to pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ because it's getting harder and harder. And if you think it's hard to be a Christian now, you wait a year or two. You stand up on Facebook about anything about the Word of God. And, it's, and if you have any unbelieving friends in, in social media, which you should, they're going to come against you. And you need to learn how to talk back to them. Not, we don't fight against flesh and blood. You know, they're not our enemy. You know, this world is not our enemy. The people in this world are not our enemy. Did you know that? Jesus loves them just as much as he loves you. And we should love them just as much as we love ourselves. And we need to go after them. And we need to bless them. And if they throw stuff at, at you, don't you pick it up and throw it back at them. You know, I, I remember verse in the, in the Bible where it talks about, Jesus talks about, you know, back in those days, the Jewish people, um, if a Roman soldier said, I need you to carry my, my, my armor, which was heavy, they had to carry it by law for a mile. And, uh, and that was very degrading for them to do this. but that, By law, they could, they could die right on the spot. By law, they had to do it. Jesus says, carry it another mile. He goes beyond that to show the love of God. And see, we need we not understand some of the things that actually Jesus taught. It doesn't mean you can't protect yourself. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you can't protect yourself. You definitely need to protect yourself. There's some idiots out there that want to kill you and are being used by the devil and you need to stop them. But you need to to understand that the people out there that don't know Jesus, you need to go back to number one. What does the devil do? He blinds them. And we need to see that they can see again. I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Amen? He steals the word of God from us. The next thing is that what the devil does, he tries to trap us, to ensnare us. Paul tells 2 Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26, he says, and they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil. He's talking about believers who has taken them captive to do his will. You know, the enemy comes to trap us in sin, shame, condemnation, offense. And uh, we need to pray. We need to go, go to war because the enemy's coming around trying to kill you, trying to destroy you. And we need to pray for one another that we won't be ensnared by the trap of the enemy. And uh, that's going to stop us because he's afraid of you. Did you know that? The enemy is afraid of you, not because of who you are in of yourself, but because whose you are, right? And he's trying to ensnare us and he's trying to stop us from doing what we're called to do. Because if you do what you're called to do and you be who God's called you to be, guess what? He's in trouble. He's losing ground, and so I need to—I need to go to bat for you in prayer. I need to do warfare for you, and I do. Every single day, I'm praying for you. And we need to do it for each other, man. We need to come together, and that's—this is the band of brothers in the sense that, man, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for my my brothers and sisters in Christ that they're not going to be ensnared by the enemy, not just with because of sin. But because of, of believing the false gospel, you know believing that you're not who, who Jesus says you are, and to be condemned and be in shame and to, to be stuck in that way, the devil comes to trap and to ensnare you. The other thing, he fights to stop you. First Thessalonians 2:18 says, "For we wanted, Paul's telling the Thessalonians is, "For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul did. Again and again, but guess what happened? Satan blocked our way. Satan blocked our way. I mean, I don't know about you. Have you ever tried to do something for the Lord or what God had called you to do or just to do, be the family, to be the person that God's called you to be? And how I many guys thought it was hard? It seemed like you were pushing against something. <coughs> Excuse me. You were pushing against something. Well, that was the enemy trying to stop you from doing it. I'll tell you what, some things are just hard right now. First Peter 5.8, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He's looking for a way into your life, an open door that you've given him. Because he can have no access in your life until he, he's invited until you give him access, either through your words or through your actions. And he's looking through, through you. He's like, he's like r- r- going around you like a roaring lion, just, just waiting for some weakness, just waiting for an opportunity. And he's doing that 24-7. He doesn't sleep. And he's trying to get you. That's why we need to go to war spiritually for each other, because he plans to destroy you, and none of us are perfect. There's no shame in that. I mean, I can have, I can have one thought of how, how something I, 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 uh, I, I felt bad about or something that um, I didn't do correctly, and you know I, I can immediately just have one thought, man, I wish I would have done that differently. I wish I would have not said that to that person, or I don't know about you if you ever had that, and then all of a sudden, things start to flood in. And come against me. And that same thought that I thought, I just it just came in my mind. And, you know, should it only been one second, guess what happened? The next week I'm still thinking about it. And I've wasted time. And I'm, I either feel shame or depressed. That's the enemy. You've got to recognize that. He's trying to come in to destroy. It's a spiritual battle, church. And we need to enter into this battle. Now turn back to Ephesians chapter 6. And let's look at verse 13. So Paul tells us here. He says, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, that might mean just when the day the enemy strikes at you, you may be able to stand your ground. And, And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then And always keep on praying for what? All the saints. Be alert. We need to be alert. My whole heart for this message is that we're going to be alert. And we're going to do some battle. So I'm going to give you a few things here real quickly on how do we battle. How do we battle right now? Number one, I want you to write this down, is that we do not fight for victory. We fight from victory. I know you've heard that statement, but it's a powerful statement. We do not fight for victory. The victory's already been won. Who won the victory? Jesus. You fight from victory. And you've got to understand, it's a different thinking. You don't have to fight, I've got to get that victory. No, you already have the victory. That's what you're fighting from. You're fighting to start walking in it. First John 4, 4 says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them. And this is the reason you've overcome them. Because the one who is in you is greater than the one who's in this world. You have victory, and you've got to realize that, that you have victory, and that uh, the devil doesn't have any power unless it's given to him by us. He has no authority, because who took the keys? Jesus. Who, who trampled over him? Jesus, right? Amen? I mean, he won. He, he, he won the battle. The battle has been won, but he's deceived us in thinking that we've lost. He's deceived us in thinking that he has more power he doesn't have more power in you, not because of who you are and how great you are. It's because of how great Jesus is in you. And the more we allow him to come out and the Holy Spirit to rule and reign, the more we're going to operate from a place of victory, not trying to fight him for it. We need to learn that. And the second thing we need to learn comes out of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. Listen to this. Be thankful, rejoice always, pray continually... Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This is how we fight. There's three things here. Number one, you need to learn to rejoice. No matter what. No matter what's going on in your life, you need to learn the power, power of rejoicing. Amen? No matter what your circumstances, you need to rejoice in who God is and rejoice in his answer. You don't rejoice in the, in the battle in the sense of, oh, I'm, I'm being fought. Thank you, God, I'm being fought. No, you rejoice that you've already won. You've already won, no matter what. Daniel, in the midst of this evil empire that he was in, he got thrown in the, in the lion's den, right? I mean, he rejoiced. He didn't, he, even though the answer from the angel was far from him, He continued to pray. He continued to thank God. He continued to stand from a place of victory. And we have a new covenant with Jesus. You have a better covenant with him. And you've got to learn to rejoice in it. Now rejoice means three different things here. The meaning of rejoice in the original Greek language is really described in three ways. To be full of cheer, calmly happy, and well off. In the Greek, Rejoicing is described as full of cheer, calmly happy, and well-off. What does it mean to be full of cheer? The word full, according to the Webster Dictionary, means abounding, saturated. It it means having within its limits all it can hold. You're full. The word cheer means to, to salute, to greet, with shouts of joy, with cheers. But it also means this. To rejoice means... To be full of cheer, to be full of joy that dispels gloom, that dispels spells sorrow. It means to, to gladden, to, make, to infuse life, to infuse the spirit, to encourage. Did you know rejoicing, part of rejoicing is to, to dispel the darkness, is to increase the cheer. You are encouraging yourself when you start rejoicing. Bad news comes, don't complain. Bad news comes, rejoice. God, you are my provider. You are my healer. You start to rejoice. Say, Sean, well, that just doesn't feel right. That's the way the world, the world fights by worry. The world fights by trying to fix it themselves. The believer, the son of God, the daughter of the king... Fights this way, God. I thank you that you're in control and not that circumstance. Right? You rejoice and thank Him. It dispel gloom. The second description of rejoice is to be calmly, happily, happy. Calmly means to, in a quiet manner, without disturbance, not agitated. Happy means blessed, enjoying the presence. And the favor of God, enjoying the pleasure of his friendship. Isn't that good? When I'm in a place of rejoicing, I'm fighting. I'm fighting to stay and to stand firm. When I've done all to stand, I stand. I rejoice. I'm quiet. I'm not agitated. I'm enjoying the presence and favor of God. I'm enjoying the pleasures of His friendship. We all have friends, right? And there's pleasures uh, you know you, you have people who are friends that are, in, that are there that give you joy, that encourage you, you enjoy being around them. How much more being a friend of God the pleasures are? And when we rejoice, you begin to do. That it tells me if I'm not rejoicing. Then I'm enjoying, or I'm in, I'm 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 uh, living in the things of this world. I'm allowing the the things not to be calm. I'm I'm being agitated, and that's true. I've been there. Don't I, I know what it's like to, to 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 not not rejoice and to get into the place of fear and the place of depression. I'm going to be honest with you. This is something that you have to do. You have to make yourself, like like David says, like we talked about last week. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Put your hope in God. You've got to make yourself. And there's times I don't feel like rejoicing, but I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to make myself rejoice. And I'm going to think in my mind as I'm rejoicing, this is stupid. But I'm going to get over my mind. Remember, you got to control your thoughts, right? And I'm going to do it. And there's a time I start out in the flesh. God, I thank you, and I'm gritting my teeth, and I don't really believe what I'm saying. But there's a time I cross over that threshold into, into the spirit, and I cross over into faith, and I cross over and I start enjoying the pleasures of his friendship. That's rejoicing, to be calmly happy. To be full of cheer. And number three, to be well off. in that hymn that comes to me all the time, it is well with my soul. There's so much praise that God, that we can praise God for. No matter what, the overall scheme of things, as a child of God, as a child of the King of Kings, I am well off because of Him. My future, my eternity is secure in Him. I have Great cause to rejoice in him. And when things get hard, when all of hell is coming against us, we fight by rejoicing. You and I fight by rejoicing. You don't fight by trying to fix it. You don't fight by worrying. You don't fight by fear. In fact, you, you, you engage in those things. Listen, you're going to operate in those things. And you're going to have what Job says, what I fear the most happened to me. But when he became spiritual and he began to thank God, something happened. So rejoice. The second thing that, that Paul tells the Thessalonians on how to fight is through prayer. Remember, prayer, Daniel, when he prayed, activated a spiritual army of God. Prayer is the way we give our worries and our problems to him and we get the answers we need. You need to pray. Fall on your knees and Pray. You should do this every single day. In fact, you should pray, like Paul says, continuously. Pray all the time. When you have a moment, just pray. Just talk to God. Speak to God. Well, I don't know what to say. Just tell God you love Him. Just worship Him. Just thank Him. Ask the Holy Spirit to give you things to pray. And you pray all the time. You pray pray for, for the church. You pray for the body of Christ. You pray for America. You pray for this world. You pray for a revival. You pray for God to move. You pray for your own life, for what you need in your own life. You pray for other, what they need in other people's lives. You pray. Use the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, started with worship. Hallowed be your name. We worship you, Lord. We thank you for who you are. Pray, pray the Lord's Prayer. But pray. Get on your knees and pray. So Paul says pray. He says rejoice. Rejoice always. Pray continually. And then number three, give thanks. To give thanks is one of the most powerful things you can do as a believer. Don't give thanks afterwards. You know, people pray, God, if you'd give me this, I'm going to thank you for it. No, no, no. You do it before. That's how it works. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. I mean, you hear the word of God, and it may not be operating in your life, but you give him thanks for it. When you worship the Lord by being grateful, by being thankful, you move yourself from a place of doubt and unbelief to a place of faith and trust in God. So you see what the enemy wants you to do is to complain. He wants you to get you into a place of worry and fear And when you get in that place of complaining, that place of worry, that place of fear, that place of depression, you start moving in an opposite direction of faith. And that means it makes it hard. You make it hard for God to move in your life. Have you ever thought about that? That you make it hard for God to move. God wants to move and he'll do all that he can because he can love you. But we have to give him freedom to do that. We have to give him permission to move in our lives. And when we worry and we're in fear, and listen, I know, I do the same thing, we start walking in the opposite direction. You you know it, right? You've seen yourself walk in that opposite direction of faith. But when we give thanks in accordance to the Word of God, we strengthen ourselves in faith. God, I thank you. I worship you. I thank you for saving me. Father, I thank you for working in my situation. I thank you for healing me. We begin to shift our focus on the solution and on to our provider. See, see, rejoicing, prayer, and thanksgiving put all the pressure off of you and you give it to God. That's how you cast your cares. Thanksgiving is not just what you say to God in adoration and for what he does. It's also a weapon and a strong tool to use in spiritual warfare. When the enemy throws out doubt and unbelief and thoughts of defeat, we enter into thanksgiving. We rejoice continually. We pray consistently. And we give thanks. And we do that to the Lord. So I want us to do something right now. I want us to stand up. And I want us right now, if you're watching online, do the same thing. Stand up where you're at. There's a as a, as a point of faith. And I want us to enter into some thanksgiving right now. So just, just lift your hands to the Lord and just thank Him for what He's doing in your life. Give Him permission to move. So Father, we do that right now. We thank You. We bless You. Father God, show us how we can enter into warfare in the heavenlies. Heavenly Father, we, we worship and we praise You. Father, we cover ourselves with the blood of the Lord Jesus right now. We, that's our protection. We surround ourselves completely with you in our life. There's nothing else, Lord, nothing else. We love you and we need you. We want you. And we thank you, God. I want you right now just to begin to thank him for things. Maybe you've been worried about things. Maybe you've been heart sick about things. I, there's a lot of things to be heart sick right now about, about what's going on in our world. Maybe you just need to start thanking Him. God, I, I give you control. I thank you, God. I release the pressure. I release. I cast my care on you, God. and we, I rejoice. I want to I get into that place of enjoying the favor of God and the pleasure of your friendship, Lord. I want to be calmly happy, Lord, in Jesus' name. I want to be full of grace. And Father, we thank you. We bless you. We rejoice in you. And we thank you, God, for what you're doing right now in Jesus' name. Help us, Lord, as we enter in to this next season, God, of not just Christmas season, but a a season of focus, of warfare, God. We're going to do war. We're going to fight from victory. We live in victory, Lord. Father, I just thank you. We're gonna we're gonna do warfare for ourselves, our family. You're gonna show us, you're gonna, you're gonna show us how to to rejoice always, to pray continually and to give thanks. And God, we're gonna enter into those things and we're gonna do battle, and we're gonna give you permission to move on this earth in our in our realm, in our world. And God, we're gonna do battle for our our, our church. Uh, The saints, God, we're going to pray for all the saints, the the body of Christ. We're going to come against the enemy's plan for the unbeliever. That, Father God, we're going to stand up and the word of God is not going to be taken from the saints of God. They're going to be stronger and stronger. The church in America, the church in this world is going to grow stronger and stronger every day. We're going to do battle, Lord. And we're going to see those things that are happening in the spirit realm. Are going to happen in the physical realm by faith, Lord. And we thank you because what we speak in the physical, in the spiritual, is going to happen in the physical. Because we speak the word of God and we do battle, and Satan, we're putting you on notice that you will not have our family, you will not have our city, you will not have the body of Christ, you will not have this nation. And this world, because you awaken a sleeping giant. And the church has been sleeping for too long. And Father, I thank you that we're going to rise up and be the body of Christ. That strong body of Christ that's going to rise like never before. And everybody said amen.